Let's do this. Let's do this. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Come on. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. JJ back to pass. Fires end zone. Roman Wilson. Touchdown. John Quesmore. An incredibly disappointing loss. The Rich Eisen Show. Earlier on the show. Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. Saints punter Lou Headley. Still to come. Voice of Prime Video Thursday Night Football, Al Michaels. Pro Football Hall of Famer, DeMarcus Ware. And now, it's Rich Eisen. That's a fact. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show live on the air here in Los Angeles, California on the Roku channel. This terrestrial radio affiliate, Sirius XM Odyssey. And there's our podcast version. You can't miss this is basically what we're saying. We had a great chat with Andy Reid in hour number one. Hall of Famer DeMarcus Ware is going to be joining us in hour number three. Uh, we just spoke to Lou Headley, the 30-year-old rookie punter from Australia for the New Orleans Saints because we cover all 53 men on every roster of the National Football League. And joining us here in studio to kick off our number three, we are always thrilled to have the man, the myth, the legend himself, the great voice of football, and so much more, Al Michaels from Prime Video at present. Good to see you, sir. How are you? Best dad ever. Yes, sir. Can I get one that says best granddad ever? I can absolutely work on that for you. Can we get that in the shop right now? There you go. Sure. You can you next, work on that? Next time I'm here. Next time you're here. Good to see you, Al. Good to see you, too. That's just great. Here we go again, huh? Is it, here we go again. But this feels just, I don't know what it feels. It just feels special in the fact that I've never seen a conference like the AFC, a group of quarterbacks currently like the AFC. And despite the Chiefs having Mahomes, and, and we just spoke with Andy Reid, it does feel potentially wide open. I'm wondering how you feel about this. It does, now. but I think we keep forgetting mm-hmm. how wide open the NFL has become yes. through the years. Uh, you and I both know, and it's great because the one thing about the NFL, there are always 100 or more questions to be answered before the season begins. And we both know in talking with people who are outside our business, we get the same questions. What about Aaron Rodgers with the Jets? How will they do? How will Jordan Love do with Green Bay? Who do you think will go to the Super Bowl? Yes. How will the Rams do? I mean, no matter where you go and you talk to people, they always have questions. And that's the thing about the NFL, because as you and I have both uh, discussed over the years, the NFL has become a 365-day event. Yes. People talk about it all year long. Talk about it all through the baseball season. Talk about it all through every season. And, of course, you know better than anybody what the combine has, has become. We know what the draft has become, free agency, and yet there's always something in the news. So the NFL, it stands by itself when it comes to um, a 365-7, operation. No doubt about it. What was the first NFL game you ever called, Al? Which one was that? Believe it or not, in 1971, 71, a million years ago. Okay. So what happened was I was doing the Cincinnati Reds. And at that time, NBC had the rights to both the baseball playoffs Mm -hmm. and the World Series. So Kurt Gowdy, who was the number one NFL announcer, was doing the World Series Mm -hmm. and and one of the playoff events. And Jim Simpson, who was the number two announcer, he was doing the other league championship series. So they had to move announcers like Jay Randolph became the number one guy, and they hired me. To do a point-to-point telecast, I think the date might have been October 3rd, 1971. Mm-hmm. I did Buffalo at Minnesota, 
as a it, it only went to Buffalo in those years. The you, you had the blackout rule, so the game wasn't even televised in Minnesota at the old Metropolitan Stadium. So you were the, just talking to the, Buffalo. The basically? game only went. Not only did it go only to Buffalo, yes, but the NBC station in Buffalo was carrying mm-hmm. the baseball. So this was on a UHF station. Oh my god. And I did it with Johnny Morris, mm-hmm. who was still you'll still see his name in the Chicago Bears record book among great receivers. He holds a number of records. So Johnny and I did that game. Among the players in that game, OJ Simpson, Al Cowlings. <laughs> Hello. Wow. Uh, yes. Think about that. <laughs> but, 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 Bud Grant. Bud Grant. I think Norm Sneed may have been the quarterback yes. for, for Minnesota at that time. Good memory, um, Al. That's correct. The game was 19 nothing. 19 nothing. Yeah. It wasn't a very good. There you go. Right. Octo- was it October 3rd? October 3rd, 71. 71. Yeah. yeah. So that was my first ever NFL game. And then a couple of weeks later, I did Buffalo at the Jets. You can look that up, I think, maybe on the 17th. Buffalo at the All Jets. Right. Stand by. Uh, again, blacked out in New York. Yeah, yeah. UHF in <laughs> Buffalo. And uh, Namath is, a pl- I think, you know, Joe had to be playing in that game. Yeah, unless he was 71. Yeah. From back in that day. Right. And so OJ and Al Cowling, so no, nobody from the Stern Show called in in the middle of that no, game no, to there prank. Was, there was no Baba <laughs> Booey to you all. <laughs> That just happened in the mid-90s no, when, you guys had some, yeah. when you got back 1994, yeah, in June. Chris, oh, am I right about that? No, oh. October 17th of uh, oh, 71? My. Yeah, October 17th, Buffalo and the Jets. Uh, the Buffalo Ju- and the Jets. The Juice had a touchdown. Let's see. Who, yep. uh, the Jets started. No, Bob Davis played quarterback for the Jets. Okay, so I think Joe must have, he was hurt. Yeah. yeah. That was just the beginning of the 54-year-old darkness <laughs> retreat. That's yes. made, that might actually end. <laughs> Emerson Boozer had 116 oh, yards. I mean, that's as but good of course. as it come, man. <laughs> but of course. But did you know that you had a, you know, you had a special, obviously you could call anything in, anywhere at any time, but did you know that there was a special relationship that you had with football at that point in time? Well, I loved all sports. Right. And remember, my, my career was, in the early years, built around baseball. Yeah. So here I was as a kid getting the Cincinnati Reds job. So I'm doing the, the big red machine with Rose, Bench, Perez. Uh, Morgan would come over the next year. Uh, Griffey Sr. is a rookie in 73. Sparky Sparky's, Sparky's the manager. I mean, that was, you know, I did the Reds for three years, and you know I've talked about this a number of times, but I knew I had one of the great teams in the history of baseball, right? and they were. And yet I had to leave after three years because the San Francisco Giants tripled my salary. Rich, we all know, follow the money, right? <laughs> when it's three times what you're getting paid, you sure? you've got to follow the money, so off I go to San Francisco. And so when did you get a regular NFL? So what happened, uh, it's interesting. So those are the only two games I did when I was with the Reds. Yeah. And then when I went, to, one of the reasons I went to do the Giants is that they were going to give me Sundays off, even in the baseball season, if I could do the NFL. And NBC hired me to do about seven or eight games that year, regional games in 74. I left there after 74. I did one year at CBS. Yeah. Uh, and my I had a ton of partners through the years, including uh, I started out with Wayne Walker, uh, the former Lion linebacker. I had Johnny Unitas for a game. What was that like? Uh, that was, Chris, you want to look this up? This is 75, <laughs> New Orleans at Oakland, middle of the season. I love this. Johnny Unitas says, this is when... I met, so we're living 
in Menlo Park across the, the bay from Oakland. Yeah. Because I'm doing the, the Giants in those years. And so I, I went over to practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. And who did I meet for the first time? John Madden. John was coaching the Raiders. And after practice, I went into John's office. And he was a big baseball fan, and he was excited to talk about the Giants because he used to listen to all the Giants games, loved the Giants. This is your first time you ever first met time John First I ever Madden. met John Madden. First, I'm sitting in John Madden's office. This is, Chris, 1975? 1975, yeah. Okay. Uh, November 9th was the game. November, okay. So it's the middle of the season. I'm in John's office. Little, you know, would I know that we'd become you know, partners for seven years, a quarter of a century later. And one of the things we talked about was that uh, John, he didn't know how much longer he wanted to coach because he, you know, he hated flying for starters. Yeah. And his dream at that point, and we talked about this, was to get an RV or a camper and travel around the country. And we talked about Steinbeck's tra- travels with Charlie. So I'm not sure John necessarily wanted to travel with a dog, <laughs> but John wanted to get into a camper and travel around the country, which eventually he would do in a bus. And, you know, did all of those years. Because John never got on a plane after 1979. Left the Raiders, went to CBS, and then just feared flying to the extent that John told me the last time he was on a flight, he was doing a game for CBS in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And he's living in the Bay Area. And uh, he there's a stopover in Houston. And he got so panicked on the Tampa to Houston leg he said, he closed his eyes, if we land safely, I'm getting off this plane and never getting on another plane. So what did he do? He got off the plane. Mm-hmm. His luggage continued on to Oakland or San Francisco. <laughs> and he went to the train station. And that was the last time John got on a plane. <laughs> it did him in. It really did. You know, with John, it was probably more claustrophobia uh-huh. than anything. Because we always had a hard time with John, even in an elevator. Is that Even, right? Yeah, because John would always have to have a, a room on a very low floor so he could either walk up or have somebody with him. But, you know, it, it, we had to basically, you know, people at the end of a game, if you had an elevator from the press box right. down to wherever we're going. Jammed. He, he, well, no, he would have to have it cleared. And oh. people thought, well, you know, who is this guy? You know, but it was a, just a case of he just couldn't be in there with anybody he didn't know. And he couldn't be there wouldn't be in there with any more than two or three people. So Johnny Unitas was your broadcast Unitas, partner. Yeah, I was the, so excited for that game. You're talking. Yes, he about? was. Yeah. So yeah. wait a minute. So you're calling a game with Johnny Unitas, right? And met John Madden for the first time. Correct. On that broadcast. Correct. Think about that. I've been everywhere. I'm like John. Uh, like 48 to 10. <laughs> a blowout, Al. No, no, it was a terrible. Ken yeah. Stabler at quarterback. Ken Stabler had a couple touchdowns. Archie Manning had a rough day. Six, Archie Manning had a terrible day. 15, three picks. The arch. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> and so, so Unitas, did he, was he good at it or he didn't he want was, to do it? Or? Johnny was, he tried hard, but yeah. he, this was not um, his deal. But I had Wayne Walker. Yeah. I had uh, a guy named Tim Van Gelder, believe it or not, former quarterback. Uh, briefly for the St. Louis Cardinals. Right. Then as the year progressed, oh, so I ended the year for like the last five or six games that year with Hank Stram. Oh, my gosh. And it was crazy because... Did you get Hank, a word in? <laughs> he was a talker. Yeah. Hank was a talker. And then Hank and I did a game in Kansas City. Oh, my So goodness. he had been fired uh, the year before by... The Chiefs, mm-hmm. and now he's going to he's going to come back. This is a front page story on the Kansas City Star. Hank Stram is coming back. It was 
wild. But Paul Wigan was the coach who succeeded him. Mm-hmm. And I knew Paul because when he was at Stanford, he lived in my neighborhood. <laughs> so now it, it's the day before the game. It's a Sunday game. I think they're playing Detroit. You can look that up, too. Um, <laughs> what year is this? You had no 70. idea you'd be working uh, today. Think it was, is it 75? In the middle of 75 season, Detroit at Kansas City? All okay. Right, right. Which is the game on, uh, on Thursday night. Yes, it's right. So it's a, <laughs> another iteration. So, yeah, November 23rd, so right before Thanksgiving. There you go. Okay, so Hank is coming back to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's, the, it's Saturday, so we'll want to go meet with the coach. Hank's not going to go meet with the coach. He will not. He's not going to meet. No, I'm, I'm going to go to Arrowhead, where the office was, still is, and uh, meet with Paul Wigan. And Hank stayed back. And now I come back and get him, and we're going to have dinner at Plaza 3 across the street. And we're staying at the Alameda Plaza. You know, great restaurant across the across the street, and I pick him up, and I come back from the meeting, and he doesn't ask me what Paul said. All he says is, "Where's the Tiffany lamp? Did he keep the Tiffany? Where's, what did he do with the couch?" He wanted to know how it was how Wigan had reconstructed Hank's office, and that's all he cared about. And we, we had a, we had a, and then Hank uh, and I danced that dance toward the end of the season, and the last game we did, you can look it up, is Rams at was it Rams at New Orleans at the end of the year that year? Look at that, Chris. Yeah, Chris Keep going. Look at the Google December. machine. Thank goodness, goodness our internet that. connection's uh, working. Oh, no, well, God. wait, did they play each other twice? No, they, well, yeah, they oh played, yeah, yeah, December seventh. Rams at Kansas City, right? Rams, uh, Rams at, Rams uh, at New Orleans. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I'm with Shram, and we're going to have dinner. We're staying at the Royal Sinesta, and we're going to have dinner. Commander's Palace or someplace. Yeah. And Hank calls me at about 6 o'clock before we go to dinner on Saturday night. He says, hey, I can't can't go. John Meekham wants to meet with me. Mm -hmm. So Meekham owned the team. Mm -hmm. I knew what this was about, right? Meekham wanted him to coach the Saints. The Saints were having a terrible year. Two and ten. Right? Two and at that point. Yeah. Or whatever they were at that point. So what happens is, the next morning, Hank and I are going to have breakfast at like 8.30, and then the game is at noon, I believe. So I get the, my phone rings at 6.30. Hank, meet me downstairs. Hank, I'm, I just woke me, I, I got to talk to you. So we go to breakfast. You know, I put some sweat clothes on, go downstairs, and Hank says, you think I have a future in this business? I said, Hank, let's cut to the chase. I know exactly what you're asking me. Do you have a future in this business? You know you do, but... You're a coach at heart. So take the job. And he did. And he wound up coaching the Saints, what, the next year. And then came back into broadcasting. Had a great a great broadcasting career. And then eventually became a pro football Hall of Fame right. uh, enshrinee. Right. Al Michaels here on the Rich Eisen Show. I, 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 I got to ask you this one, too, because just the stories that I've heard you tell um, before, and I'm assuming I think you can tell this one as well. You call games with Earl Weaver, right? Oh, yeah. And baseball. Baseball, two you years. Got, you got a good one for me on this front? A good one for you? I got a lot of good ones. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody could destroy the language more than Earl, right? But on, on tele, it was what, the, the first couple of games we worked with Earl. Yes. I mean, Earl was, you know, the Bantam rooster, right? And he got thrown out of 100 games. <clears throat> so, Earl, you know what Earl was as a manager. But... We're working with him, and I'm, I'm working with Howard Cosell and Earl. And, and Earl, wow. Earl Earl won't move. I mean, his head is like this. 
because he's got the headset. And it, it, it took Howard and, and, and me a couple of uh, games to understand Earl was afraid to move his head because the headset would come off if he did. Mm-hmm. Earl, this is fine. The headset moves with your mouth. You have to understand that. <laughs> but what, what Earl, <laughs> Earl and I, we were doing the game alone in Kansas City in 83 or 84. And we're in the uh, Monday Night Baseball. We're in the car going to the airport on Tuesday morning. And Earl's got a little, like, ledger book. And I see him scratching out some numbers. And I think he's doing stats. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm adding in last night's fee to my net worth. I said, what are you doing? (laughs) If I never get to work again, this is how much money I will have. And figuring out, you know, how long I can live and have not run out of money. So Earl was like a human actuarial table sitting there in the car figuring out what his net worth was every Tuesday morning. (laughs) He had a number. He had a number. actual net worth. Divided by, right. After Monday night football, you're going to the airport. I'm adding it to my net worth divided by how long I think I'm going to live. So you were in a booth with Earl Weaver (laughs) and and Howard Cosell. Right. <laughs> so, Rich, we're doing we're doing the. I don't know if we have to go to a commercial. No, no, or what. go ahead. We got we got time. We're doing go the 19, 1983 World Series. Yeah, me, Earl, who had just retired, would would come back eventually. Yeah, and now Joe Altabelli takes over, and they win the World Series. That's right. It's With Cal against, Ripken, right? Baltimore, Wasn't he a rookie? Was Baltimore Cal? against Philadelphia. I think it was. Might have been his second, second year. year. Right. Okay. It's Baltimore against Philadelphia. So the first game of that series is in Baltimore. And uh, Wednesday, whatever night, a midweek night, Mm -hmm. two things happened that night. Number one, uh, I'm out of the hallway behind the booth, uh, you know, half an hour before the game. And I meet Bob Costas for the first time. And and, and Bob is at NBC and, you know, his career was ascending. And, hey, you know, a couple of young guys. Hey, it's great. Good to see you. You know, blah, 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 blah. And Cosell walks by. And Costas sees Cosell, who's coming up from behind me, and goes, Howard, he says, um, just want to say hello. I'm Bob Costas with NBC. And Cosell says, the cigar, I know who you are. You're the child who rhapsodizes about the infield fly rule. I'm sure you'll have a fine career. Right? Wow. That was Cosell's initial interaction with Bob Costas. <laughs> On the first night you met Bob. The first night. I met him and then Howard walks by. Wow. I mean, it's within three minutes of each other. Okay? So now it's 83 and Ronald Reagan's in the White House. Yes, and the president is coming to the game. Mm-hmm. And Cosell is going to interview him in the fifth inning. So in the old Memorial Stadium in Baltimore, you'd walk in the door and there'd be a landing. And then you'd go down about three steps and the, the broadcast position was yeah. there. So Cosell in the fifth inning, he goes up the steps. They open up the door for Reagan to come in, be interviewed by Cosell. And I am sitting, you know, a little below them and toward the and, and an angle. And, of course, you've got, you know, 45,000 people in Memorial Stadium out there. And the thought that came into my mind was kind of crazy. But I thought to myself, I am sitting in the line of fire of the two most assassinated <laughs> men in America. So fortunately, everything worked out fine. <laughs> but, but I mean, the, the, you know the crazy stuff that comes into your head and you go, don't Just say don't this. Say it. Don't say this. <laughs> that was the case. Cosell, did he really love being hated? Or or it, it, it was something that he learned to live with? Or Yeah, I, I, I think he, 
look, everybody wants to be admired and respected and yeah. loved, I guess. And Howard did, too. Yeah. But he knew how to deal with it. I mean, in a way, I mean, Howard, in, in sportscaster polls in that era, yeah. he would be the, the best and the worst. So, I mean, right. he was Howard was polarizing. Howard was, was different. But he Howard enjoyed, to a, a certain extent, doing what he did. But Howard always felt that, I don't want to say the business was beneath him. He was more interested in actually doing news than sports. Mm -hmm. And he never forgave Rune Arledge for, at Munich in 1972, during the Israeli massacre, oh, McKay. putting Jim McKay in the seat where Jim would go on to you know, win a news Emmy, uh, and Howard was sitting off on the side. Mm. So he never forgave Rune for that. Because, mm. again, uh, I, th th there was an annual poll for most liked, sure. most disliked. Sure. And, and it had been held for, for years and years and years, and Cosell was the most liked and disliked. Uh, one year, uh, my you know, great friend and colleague, may he rest in peace, Stuart Scott, mm -hmm. won most liked and most disliked as well. USA Today did some poll and he won he won both. Really? And I remember I went up to him and I'm like, you know, what do you think about that? And he thought to himself, you know what? Um, the people who don't like me don't know me. The people who like me know me. And he just went about his business. You have to. But I think I think it it definitely bothered him. There's no question about it. It definitely bothered him. You're talking you know? about Stewart. Stewart, no? yes. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, Howard, you know, Howard. Howard knew that he was respected and admired by a lot of people. Right. And, and, and you know, he was, a, uh, he was a complicated guy, a hugely intelligent man, obviously. Uh, I worked with him for a number of years on, on Monday Night Baseball and a few other events. And at first, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was great. I mean, some of the greatest stories I have, it's a whole chapter in my book. Yes. Howard Cosell. I mean, I, I could have written... 50 pages instead of like 18 or 19. <laughs> and, but at, I mean, toward the end, he, he grew tired of the business. He just, he grew tired of, of a lot of things. Yeah. The jockocracy. The jockocracy. It, it was hard. And they, you know, Howard wrote a book. He wrote two books, but the second of which came out in 1985. And, you know, we're doing Monday night baseball. It's our year to do the world series. I'm assigned to do the world series with Jim Palmer <clears throat> and Howard. And Howard's book came out about two weeks before the World Series. And in it, he, I, I, you know, I got niggled a little bit. I mean, he just gave me a little shot here and there. Uh, he was vicious with Gifford, and he was terrible with Arledge. So Arledge is his boss. And they decided, Arledge decided to take him off the World Series. Wow. And put Tim McCarver in there, which oh. was, frankly, a blessing for me because I loved Tim. And of all the booths I've worked in, you know, a three-man booth is a little unwieldy and a little difficult. But I always felt that working with McCarver and Palmer, and we did, you know, three or four World Series together, all-star games, playoffs, big Monday night games. I always felt that was the one three-man booth that worked better as a three than either of us would have been as a two, So, which is very unusual. But anyway, McCarver for Cosell was a... Pretty good trade for me. Well, I mean, yeah. you want to talk about yeah. remarkable batteries. I mean, Palmer and McCarver to oh, talk yeah. baseball. They're two of the greats to right. do it. And Jim's still doing Oriole games whenever he I hear, can I can listen to. I guess it's 
Masson uh, there on the yeah. uh, Mid Atlantic. Yeah, Jim does about uh, does 80 to 100 games. Yeah, pretty sweet. Let's now. I got to take a break. Sure. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the Thursday night football schedule with the voice of Thursday night and Sunday night, and Monday night from all the years that we've enjoyed listening to the great Al Michaels back on the Rich Eisen Show in a moment. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least... The partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Back here on the Roku channel, our radio audience rejoins Al Michaels still here uh, every day. Um, the book that you came in many uh, years ago to promote, it's right there. There it is. You can't make this up. Um, and that is a Reggie bar that was brought here by the man himself in June, Reggie Jackson. You must have had many moments in the booth calling games for Reginald Martinez Jackson. Well, you work with him too, right? I, 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 don't, I don't want to go back too far because we've already that's fine. We're already care. wasting away and out to Cockerville. No problem, <laughs> right? May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. <laughs> right. Uh, Reggie and I went to school together at Arizona <laughs> State. I was a junior, so when I was a freshman, Sal Bando was my my classmate. Rick Monday came the next year. Mm -hmm. And then Reggie came when I was a junior. Reggie was a freshman. So I actually announced football games at Arizona State when Reggie played cornerback, just known as a defensive back in those years. So I had, I've had i announced Reggie playing baseball and football. College football. And he was Reggie. Reggie uh, was a, a partner on a lot of shows we did. He worked on a lot of – in fact, that, that World Series I was talking about before 1985, mm -hmm. Reggie was part of the uh, the pregame show with us. Uh, we did a lot of superstars, super teams That's together. Superstars. So Re Reggie and I go back uh, a long, long way. Superstars. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, that's yeah. superstar super teams. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember all that. Yeah. And just and just seeing the battle of network stars with Howard Cosell. Oh. Howard Cosell, um, <laughs> one of the great lines Howard had: "Battle of the network stars." He loved that because he, you know yeah. he could play with all the celebrities, yeah. and he he's doing he's doing a a race in a pool. It's out at Pepperdine, right? And <laughs> Howard says at one point he says. Negotiating a kayak around a buoy is the toughest thing in the world. And that was Howard doing Battle of the Network Stars. That's right. Al Michaels here. We're talking about Howard Cosell doing Battle of the Network Stars. I just, every now and then it'll show up on my social media feed, like mm-hmm. talking about a tug of war between, look at Telly Lavalis. Yeah. T- Telly Savalas. <laughs> yeah. Here comes Robert Conrad. You know, like that's, uh, oh my God. He loved it. I bet he did. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, bring things to this season. Thursday night football, Prime Video. You, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, Kaylee Hartung, uh, my man T Man is in the booth. Uh, in the I booth mean, for- in the he's in the truck. Mark Tidelman, incredible producer who's done a lot of games that I've been doing overseas. For sure, um, you know, with Fred Gadelli now in the hall. Right. Um, so uh, Thursday night football, your first game. We could put the schedule up. Is a, a big one in the NFC. Philadelphia's home opener. Look at that one the week after the Giants and 49ers and then the Lions and Green Bay. That is a huge start with a lot of division playoff implicating action as well as some conference. Yeah, I was excited when I saw the schedule come out because Minnesota, obviously Philadelphia going to the Super Bowl. And what will really be interesting, too, is they're going to come off their opener at New England. Mm -hmm. So they play the Patriots. We'll see where they are uh, at that point. Minnesota... Should win their opener. I mean, they're favored, obviously, against uh, Tampa Bay. And then the next week, you know, the Giants, it's, it's great. Last year, uh, we didn't have three teams on the schedule. We had 29 teams. The three we didn't have, Minnesota mm-hmm. wound up having a great year. The Giants wound up having a great year. Eliminating to, Minnesota right. eventually. And Detroit, which came on at the end and how it has now become one of the the it teams. So we have we have all of those teams now back on the schedule and it's really it's a good way to open up and i think the league uh, uh gave us a, a better schedule at least at this from this vantage point yes. rich because we don't know how this is going to work out in the end run but at least right now you look at those matchups and down the line you've got the uh, cincinnati at baltimore they played that uh, classic playoff game last year there's a Black Friday game in the AC Friday, November twenty fourth. Huge one that is. So that's. I mean, Mi- look at the three in the, Miami the, run, the Jets, right? The, the run you got there with uh, Ravens hosting the Bengals, right? And then you've got Black the Friday, Black mm-hmm. Friday game after Thanksgiving, the right. Dolphins at the Jets, and See then the, the the annual game in which two teams that play on Thanksgiving then play the following Thursday. Full complement of rest. Seattle, which has the night game on Thanksgiving night, visits Dallas. We all know Dallas has a game. Right. Look at the Patriots and the, and the Steelers. Right. I'm telling you, that game will be, I think, some playoff implicating action for it, sure. It could be. I mean, P- Pittsburgh, sure. all of a sudden, everybody you know is beginning to think that the, the Steelers, who, by the way, we have twice, too. We've got Tennessee yep. at Pittsburgh on November 2nd. And uh, then a month later. Which is another new wrinkle that the league added. That Correct. Mul- multiple Thursday night games. It Correct. used to be like an orange wedge at kids at, at soccer right. games. Everybody gets one, and, you know, and that's it. Exactly. No, we, we have Pittsburgh twice, Jets twice, mm-hmm. uh, the Black Friday game, and then at Cleveland. And uh, I think we have Chicago twice as well. Right. I, I, I love Tomlin. What, what's it like when you speak with him in, the, in, in a, a meeting before a game? 
Al. I love him, too. I mean, we've been meeting with Mike since uh, 2007. Got the job. <clears throat> he puts words together in a way that very few people do. Correct. And I've said it on the air. I said, if I had a, uh, a debate team, I make Mike Tomlin my captain. <laughs> I just do. He, just the way he phrases things. Look, we've had, you know, I've had hundreds and hundreds of coaches meetings in my career. And most of the guys are, are really, they're really good. Uh, Tomlin is, is special. Uh, because just when he's talking about, let's say, instead of saying like a running back by committee or something, he goes distribution of labor. <laughs> I mean, just, just his yeah. phraseology. Yeah. Yeah. I always get a kick. And I always, you know, it's been, you know, through the years. And I got to do the, the Super Bowl that he won in, yes. in Tampa in 2008. Madden's and, last game. Oh, yeah. Madden's last game. Fantastic mm -hmm. game. And they beat Arizona. But every time I walk into the meeting with Mike, I say, okay, write the open for me. Because I, I would always incorporate something that he said because it was so beautifully phrased. Yes. Uh, I think Mike is one of the great coaches in the National Football League, has been for years, and probably, I don't want to say, you know, I hate this thing about, you know, he doesn't get enough respect because who knows you know, what, what anybody thinks of anybody else. But I think that he should be thought of on the very highest plane among the coaches in the NFL. I agree with you. I agree with you. And the Steelers, you know, are, are a lot of um, late yeah. summer bandwagon jumpers, it appears, right Never now. had a losing season, That's Rich. Right. I know. I think know. about that. I know. And the Steelers fans who, who are kind of tired of hearing that because they're waiting for another mm -hmm. Lombardi to be placed in the case. But I then know. again, honestly, I mean, three coaches in 54 years, and there's a reason for that. There's that a reason. They know, they know what they're doing there in and, Pittsburgh. And by the way, putting a Lombardi in your trophy case, the, the, uh, let's say every team was even. The odds of putting that trophy in your case are 32 to 1. Right. Law of averages say you should win three Super Bowls every 96 years. <laughs> so, so the Cowboys, the Cowboys won three in four years, which is why, you know, they haven't won any since. Right. And Brady's the tendency breaker. Right. Exactly. Who's the, uh, who would be, if you will, your Mount Rushmore, meaning four, of all-time broadcast meeting conversationalists, period, quarterback or coach, who would you put on all four of those? Well, Peyton me? Manning, for sure. I mean, Peyton is right up at the top. Why? Because he would share. He would tell you stories. Would, or... But just, just his his analysis, the perception. Perception. I know that Madden loved, loved, loved being in a meeting with Peyton. Peyton would see everything. Peyton could tell you who the practice squad guys were on the opposition, <laughs> just in case they got elevated and know everything about them. Um, Aaron Rodgers is. Great. In, Why is in, that? In, because Aaron is, he's just engaged in everything. And once in a while, Aaron is interviewing you more than you're interviewing him. For what? What do you think? Well, because he, he, he wants to know where you're coming from as well. So, uh, and he's, he's a very curious, he, he's obviously very curious, mm -hmm. extremely well-read uh, and interesting. And we find him to be, I, I, I like meeting, I love meeting with Aaron. Brady was great, too. Tom was, you know, it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, Belichick, Belichick could be fine in the meetings, too, but you could only go so far. 
and then Brady might come in and go a little farther for you. Is that right? Well, he would, yes, yeah. I mean, especially as, as the years went by, you know, Tom was opening it up, and and he knew. And also, I think having done this as long as I have and having worked with Madden all those years in Collinsworth, there was a trust factor Oh yeah, with us, too. So they could... They could go to certain places with us that they couldn't if they, you know, were doing another game with a crew that they didn't know particularly well or for the first time meeting with them. So, so those guys, it, it should be no surprise that that Rogers, Manning, and Brady would be among the best. We go back to Mike Tomlin, mm-hmm. Sean McVay, fantastic, fantastic. I mean, Sean McVay to me, this is one of the most amazing stories in all of my years covering the NFL. He is 37. He is still the youngest coach in the league. In his seventh year, Rich, as you well know, he sent four guys to head coaching jobs. He's been to two Super Bowls. He has a Lombardi trophy. That's astonishing. And the fact that I give, you know, Stan Kroenke and Kevin Demoff and and Les Snead get so much credit for hiring him at the age of 30? Mm Mm-hmm. At the age of 30? How's that working out so far? Well, the NFL is just an amazing thing because, um, you know, to to uh, back in the day when NFL Network had Thursday Night Football. Right. Um, I, I did a game up in Seattle and trying to get back here for Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rams mm-hmm. kind enough to throw me on their team plane. Mm-hmm. And the Thursday night that we went up for was the one they had just fired Jeff Fisher. And they started Jared Goff in his first game. Right. And to say he got his rear end handed to him is an understatement. It was a rough night. They had just fired their coach. They mm-hmm. had no, like their, their number one overall selection had just gotten a baptism by, you know, the 12th man fire. Bones Fossil was the coach. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. And it was, it was a bleak moment. Right. And the, those Rams on that flight home, the management team, you know, clearly how to be staring out the window, wondering mm-hmm. what's happening, what's happened, what's happening. And they're now in Los Angeles. They're trying to find the right combination. Uh, I believe that was after um, Todd Gurley had just called their offense a high school offense as well. It was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And yet that organization was about at that point six weeks away from hiring Sean McVay and instantly becoming the team that everyone wanted to copycat. And nobody on that plane would have believed that if I had told him, hey, don't worry, six weeks from now, you're going to hire a 30-year-old, and he's going to be great. You're going to be brilliant for hiring him, and the rest of the league's going to want to do what you're right. doing right now. Yeah. And they would be like, get out of here. But that's how quickly the NFL can, can flip, Al. It's you, unbelievable. You, you know, know? It, with the two coaches we just talked about, so when Tomlin got the Pittsburgh job yeah. and wins the Super Bowl in his second year, and then around the league, everybody's saying, find me the next Mike Tomlin. And that went on for a while. And now it's find me the next Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, you talk about having known these guys and having meetings with them and talking about the best guys in me. And there are a bunch of them. Andy Reid, terrific. You had Andy mm-hmm. on in the first hour of the show. But these guys, they're so good because they're so smart. And... They're revealing to the extent that they know what they can trust you with. And that's what makes for, you know, a great meeting. Because it's so helpful to us to know the things, not only that we can talk about, but can't talk about because we don't know enough about it. 
because you don't want to go on some on the air and say something that you should know the background information that kind of holds you back from saying something and going in going there right for the lack of better phrase that you shouldn't right for sure and that's why Tomlin again Tomlin and a couple of the 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 two times that I've had conversation with him before Mm -hmm. a game um he he will be honest he'll say like we're not playing that guy right now he we, we just he doesn't have it Right, you know, and he'll just say that, That's always and we know in in the meetings we're not going to go on the air. Mike Tomlin told us this guy's bench because he quote unquote doesn't have it. That's true, but we, it it does inform what you're how you're yeah. going to broadcast the game. No, I, and but, it's helpful beyond. Oh, you know? be, be beyond question. I mean, Mike Shanahan was the same way too. Loved loved the meetings with Mike because it was you, you knew what you had to know, mm-hmm. and if you you knew what you you knew where you couldn't go to. You see, Mike say a couple of th- things to you where you might think a, but he's saying this is B and you can't, but you won't go to the, what you might have said if you didn't have the information Correct. that yeah. they talked you off of. Love it. Yeah. Before I let you go on your uh, Tuesday, sir. My give- Tuesday, I have nothing to do. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I'm, I'm the third hour, too. You're Super Bowl. Yes. By, by the way, yes. we're not yes. kicking you now. We're not kicking you out of here, Al. Uh, by the way, uh, your Super Bowl prediction. You and I, we've talked about this a lot. Yes. My mantra is nobody knows anything. That's right? true. Yes. Which also uh, so, can be turned around to say that uh, everybody knows nothing. Okay. So, look, I'm not predicting anything, but what right. I'm saying to you is that th- this year, maybe more so than in a lot of the previous years, mm-hmm. the two teams that got there last year look poised to get there again. I would not be surprised. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in contrast to last year, if I sat here and went, the Rams are not going to go back to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Because they lost too many people. They beat, you know, they beat Cincinnati, but you knew that last year the Rams were going to be a long shot to make it back. This year, hey, Philadelphia looks really good. Obviously, Kansas City looks really good. The Super Bowl is still five months away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I can't. I don't want to make a prediction, but you know, or. It, it, you can make a prediction and go, oh, I think Carolina is going to meet uh, Tennessee. I mean, and all of a sudden, if it happened, Ooh, people would go, wow, that guy's a genius. Yes. And then, you, we, and then we'd replay that video over and over again. Over huh? and over and over, right? Just think about the... It's like a guy who makes a great stock pick, right? <laughs> and then makes 83 horrible stock picks, but they go back to, hey, or his PR firm says, you know, hey, look at what he just did in 1987. <laughs> This is like us right now. I mean, do you realize we covered, what did we cover? We covered like six decades? We did. That's what Five we, decades, whatever it was. You are, you are one of one, sir. Uh, and I always appreciate you coming on here and Listen, being part man. of this. Anytime. Anytime. This is, I love this setup here. Too. Thank this you. Is, yeah, we, 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 we gave it a little spit and uh, polish. And Brockman's know? still here, right? Yes, that's right. Still Brockman's here, still here. And so, what, what did you call uh, Mike Del Tufo when you sat he down? He is the Fred Norris of the Rich Eisen Show. <laughs> I take that compliment out. Fred, of Very course, good. Fred, of course, does the sound effects for years on Howard Stern. I and it's off the charts. Fantastic. Uh, and TJ Jefferson, part of our crew. TJ, there um, you go. And you also uh, What does TJ stand for, by the way? Go ahead. Too jiggy. <laughs> <laughs> what did you stand for? No, but tell him what it really 
really stands uh, for? My, my real first name is Temujin. It was Genghis Khan's real name, so that's what my dad named me after. That's what it stands Temujin. for. Temujin. So it's not like Tommy John. No, it's, no. I'm not. all into TJ. There you go. Hawkinson. <laughs> very good. Uh, that's right, Hawkinson. Um, and then again, you know, we we have a new podcast set. I know, you know, Amy Trask and Susie Schuster are going to oh, be. Oh, baby, look out! Look out for your. <laughs> look out below. They're, 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 they're circling a date for you to maybe uh, stop by and be a guest oh, on her, their new pod. So, oh, baby. Thanks for the... That could end my career, you know. It will not. It will not. They will take care of you. They will take care of you. It's called What the Football. Uh, okay. Good to see you, Al Michaels. Thanks again. As always, Rich. You bet. Al Michaels getting set for another season, giving us new memories right here on the Rich Eisen Show. We're back with your phone calls. Everybody on hold. We're going to take your calls when we come back. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, o o o O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. There's somebody on Twitter, and it could be Bob, at real underscore Bob Costas. Then you read the Twitter bio, and you begin to think something could be up. How are you, Bob? I'm good, Rich. Late last night, and then again this morning when I woke up, dozens of texts, some claiming it must be real, some saying this can't be true. Yes. And one said, this is the best indication that hell has frozen over <laughs> since the 04 Red Sox or the 2016 Cubs. But I am here to assure you and everybody else yes. that the fires of hell are still very much blazing because I am absolutely not on Twitter. They have taken the bogus account down. And I began thinking, you know, what would actually, what would I have to do before I ever deigned to be on Twitter? What? Like, Binge watch The Real Housewives of Orange County. <laughs> Make a return trip to Sochi just for the nostalgia of the Pink Eye episode. <laughs> Star in a to basketball. Or, or just for you, just for you, Rich. Yes, Bob. 
make a special trip to the NFL Combine. <laughs> All those things will happen before I'm ever on Twitter. Okay, so this is the real Bob Costas. We can okay. confirm oh, that now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Twitter needs that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Your son uh, tweeted it out that this is not you. When I saw the, the first screen grab that, that Keith sent to me, yes. one tip-off should be, look, I'm a reasonably humble and self-effacing guy. Yes. But would I knowingly shortchange myself seven Emmys? <laughs> the guy couldn't even get the number of Emmys right. Exactly. I said that. I said 21 seems a little light. You got to pull a scam. Get your ducks in a row. <laughs> That's one of Bob's greatest moments, I think, ever. Certainly in the history of our program. Back at the Rich Eisen Show desk on the Rich Eisen Show radio network with our live Roku channel stream. It's furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. I mean, does it get much could, any better? We could do three hours of that. It's funny. When I was in college, we, we went to school with a kid in our broadcasting and did our TV with. His name was Adam Hardgrove. Okay. And he thought his last name was too hard to pronounce. It would get just jumbled on the air by his colleagues. So he, he changed his last name to Michaels. We're like, oh, you mean the most famous broadcaster <laughs> of all time? <laughs> Maybe like, you get a job. job out of it. <laughs> Uncle Al. Pretty funny. He's He's like, oh, you're Adam Michaels now. Great. (laughs) Uncle Al. There's no one like him, man. All right, uh, Chris, you're going to choose. Everyone's been hanging on since the beginning. Okay, who haven't we done yet? Uh, I don't believe we've done a Falcons one. We haven't. All right, so let's do it. All right, he's been waiting as long as everyone else. Joan Florida, you're here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, Joe? Hello, Mr. Eisen. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Uh, it appears you would like to play the win-loss game for the Atlanta Falcons. Is that a true story, Joe? Yes, sir. And I'm probably going to be the most rational of all the fans when it comes to playing this game because I'm looking a little bit more analytical. Okay. So but that said, Joe, I mean, you're not from Georgia. How do we know you're really a Falcon fan, Joe? How can you prove this to me? The very first game that I ever watched when I became a Falcons fan was the 1998 NFC Championship game when Morton Anderson's left foot sent us to the Super Bowl, of which we lost to the Denver Broncos in John Elway's final game. Okay, but and you stayed a fan all the way to this day. Chris, is this uh, would Sarah give the check mark to this gentleman? It's, it, it passes as good as any. All right, here it's, we go. go. Mike Del Tufo, please hit it. First up, Atlanta Falcons are hosting the Carolina Panthers. What do you have for me? I do have a win for our first game against Carolina. Give Bryce Young his luck into the NFL. Okay. Joe, I'm just going to need a win or a loss out of you. Okay, here we go. Green Bay at home. What do you got? That's a win. At the Detroit Lions. I'm giving us a loss. At, uh, taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in Wembley. With Ridley playing, that's a loss. That's 2-2 two and two against the Houston Texans. Hammer the over, Atlanta win. <laughs> Hammer, I love you. Three and two, home for the Commanders. <laughs> Beat the Commanders. That's a four and two at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Revenge from last year, a win. Five and two at the Titans. Give us a loss. Oh, that's that's Arthur Smith's homecoming right there. Five and three, home for the Vikings. Two-game losing streak. Five and four at the Cardinals. Big win. Six and four coming out of the bye. Home for the Saints. I'm going to give us a win 
at home. Seven and four at the Jets. I would love to give you this stat, Mr. Eisen, but it's a win for Atlanta. Oh, eight and four, home for the Buccaneers. I'm going to give us a win again. I'm going to say we sweep Tampa. Nine and four at the Panthers. We lose in Carolina. Nine and five, home for the Colts. Guaranteed loss. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we're nine Nine and six. six at the Bears. Give us a win. Ten and six at the Saints. And we finish with a loss. Ten and seven. Says Joe in Florida. Thank you, Joseph. Ten and seven. Ten and seven. I've picked the Falcons to win the division, so I think that ten and seven wins this division. Certainly, if they split with the Saints, and they did he have them? How how did he have them doing in division? They split with Carolina, and then swept and then sweep the Bucks. That's four and two in division. That's pretty good. Ten and seven overall. That's a playoff team right there. Beating the Jets at the Jets. Okay, we'll see that one. I don't know. Arthur Smith loses to the Titans. And how about that one? I did not see. That's a sneaky one on the schedule. Calvin Ridley versus the Falcons. He gave them. In London. He gave the Jaguars the win there that Ridley's going to torch him. And you know, you know, Doug Peterson will feed. He will feed. Yeah. On that day. I think you can bet on that, Rich. (laughs) Man, I, I wouldn't go for Calvin. I oh, I, I I was doing wow. a figure speech. Vacation. Look at you guys. Can we just turn the page? I don't think the page shouldn't even have to be turned. It's preposterous. He, 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 he did nothing wrong. Hour number three, <laughs> um, we've got another Hall of Famer. Andy Reid was hour one. Al Michaels, hour two. Freshly minted Hall of Famer and national anthem singer. <laughs> Demarcus Ware will be joining us on Zoom. By the way, great band. Two live Zooms. We've had two of them today. <laughs> two They're fantastic. Nice. Two, two live Zooms here in El Segundo. One night only. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Still on Roku. A little cleaner lyrics from two live Zooms. You think zooms. so? Two yeah. live Zooms? Yeah. We are two live. <laughs> okay. I, actually, hold on a minute. We've got somebody who's just called in. I... We, can we take somebody who just called in over people that uh, waiting two hours? I know, but they... Oh, that's... We I, haven't I, done hold that on a second. Yet. Hold on a second. Or we can take line one. No, no. Line one, we haven't had one yet yeah. either. Um, I don't think we've had one for line five either. Okay. That's what I mean. They just we're called gonna in. Fill, we're going to fill a lot of holes yeah. in hour three. Overreaction Monday, right? So we're going to have a lot of talk in hour number three. That's how we roll here. Well, the NFL season starts in two days. We're back. Are you baby. aware of this? We're back. I'm, oh, I'm Are you aware, aware of this? I'm, I'm aware. Were you aware of this? Like in two nights, we have an actual NFL game that counts. Trying it's to, a big one. Two more try, sleeps. Trying to line up all the pools and the, your fantasy teams. When you say pools, what do you mean by news? pools? Like you're talking about a 10-foot you're uh, Thinking about survivors. Kidney shape. You're talking about uh, you know what I'm saying? Jeff Probst? What are you talking well, about? A lot ha- you there's a lot happening mentally. The bandwidth. I don't know what you mean. How deep is the pool? Take the Ravens this week, people. What? Over Houston? That's the one? Safe. Stay away from Clayton Toon. Stay away from Toon. Stay away from Jonathan Gannon. Stay away. He's nuts. Stay away from Kirk Cousins. <laughs> He's nuts. There's something about him. That's that what just I mean. Like, he's like that guy you don't go up to in a stay bar. A, stay just away. Just don't engage him. No. Because when you take what? the bus, don't, don't engage him. You don't, you don't know what, he can, what he's doing behind the scenes. Not at all. He's taking a bus or he's driving himself. Yeah. One Fire. Of the, one of the, the fires two. in the gut, oh, though. Oh, something. 